0: They're bugging me because the undershirt is longer than the flannel shirt, and it's annoying me.
1: Looks kind of cool, I think. So
0: I actually like the shirt, but I was a little chilly, so I layered up because it was a tad nippy this morning.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Welcome to that- our discussion of wardrobe and temperatures. It
1: came. Uh, this came up. In multiple beverages. Faster than it usually does usually takes a minute to get rolling.
0: can freak you out when things actually work right. Yeah, I was like, what's like, going on? What is happening?
1: What's going on? You do have multiple so, beverages in similar mugs.
0: Well, one is our, our the classic real-life tumbler. The classic. <laughs> and the other is the, the classic, classic <laughs> Air Force travel mug. So, Both. There we have it.
1: Both notable... Uh, Groups
0: here. Yes, I've spent more time at real life than I did in the Air Force. So how many years you know, were you in the Air Force? Four.
1: Oh, so yeah.
0: Three four. and a half actually, because when Desert Storm wrapped up, we they had a uh, early out for my job had disappeared, and so oh. I was trying to cross train. There wasn't a really good option, so,
1: so you didn't got out six months so you Didn't do anything with Desert Storm.
0: No, I was in Desert Storm. Oh, I, oh, I was not there. I was stateside. Doing uh, intelligence with NSA at the time, back can't talk about it. Back, well, I, <laughs> it's probably all declassified now if I remembered any of it. But you know, it's that's one of the easiest way to get uh, good clearance is by having a short attention span, and I have no idea what I did. So, you know,
1: good. These are the hands that our country was. <laughs> I,
0: oh, I know in the moment. I just yeah. you know, tomorrow I don't know where I was yesterday, but the. Um, uh, you know, it was one of those things where Shelly just got used to not knowing what I did all day. I mean, she mm. knew it was a language thing. I was a linguist. Right. And so, um, you know, we were, as a German linguist, Germany reunified back in the early 90s. You were potty training, I think. And, um, well, actually it was, it would have been 1990, right? And then, yes, 1990. I, was training. I was potty training. dos. And so anyway, we were, you know, all of our worldly belongings went to Berlin
1: and wow. we had been
0: talking for some time about the fact that, hey, uh, things are changing. and
1: the times they are in changing. In the
0: infinite wisdom of the U.S. government and military leadership, they said, don't worry about it. Nothing's going to change. It's all good. And, uh, yeah. So they reunified the currency. Then they reunified the government. Then they joined NATO. And all of a sudden, we our, our target, our, our enemy, you know, in the, during the Cold War, became our ally. And we didn't know what to do. So... All so do you speak our,
1: fluent
0: German? Well, as I just pointed out, I don't remember things. Oh, so. wow. <laughs> once upon a time. And I can, I can still speak enough to get myself in trouble. And every once in a while when my, my uh, German brother, exchange student from high school, uh, we became very close friends and we've stayed in touch. So every once in a while he'll contact me and I'll embarrass myself by attempting to, to speak, speak German, German. And so very cool. His English is excellent. But, you know, he speaks multiple languages. He's an international salesperson. Um, So he speaks German, French, Dutch, English, I think some Spanish and Italian, you know, all these things. I saw
1: a beautiful, I actually thought about you, and this is before I knew you spoke Mm -hmm. German. This morning I saw on Facebook uh, some vintage store around here was selling a beautiful, like, gorgeous, illustrated-everything German Bible. Nice. And it was like solely in German. Like, wow, well, yeah. that's gorgeous. But... We've
0: got got a couple of nice German Bibles here at the church that we inherited from um, historic St. John's when closed down. So it's been it's been cool. I I, uh, I love the language. I love languages in general. Um, it's, it's
1: a pretty ugly language.
0: Um, <laughs> there's there's
1: a guy it, it on depends TikTok. on your uh, there's a guy on impression of
0: of ugly. You know, it's a beautiful TikTok. language. It's Polish. The Polish is beautiful. I don't.
1: But, I don't know much Polish, and I am Polish. So. I,
0: you know, that when I, I sausage and salsa, work, those
1: are my two. <laughs> yeah,
0: <they're, laughs> that sounds like a book, like a biography. My like uh, a really weird cookbook. When Germany reunified, we went. Uh, you know, they sent us to NSA to, and I ended up in a civilian office, dealing with uh, um, arms shipments, trying to keep the keeping the bad guys from selling the guns to the other bad guys to use against our guys. So um, I worked in a Polish mm-hmm. office for a that minute. That would
1: never happen. I did
0: not speak Polish, so I had to learn that on the fly. Just Polish. Just not, not conversationally, but enough to be able to analyze. And spent most of that time working in Hungarian. Did not speak Hungarian, do not to this day. My sister-in-law lives in Hungary, and I still don't, but I could read enough to analyze at that point and hand it over to somebody who was better. So
1: well, there you go. There's TikTok. TikTok. tock you said tech-tuck.
0: TikTok. TikTok, Tic Tac. You're like one of I those. I could people, use a tick-tack.
1: You're like one of those people. You know what? I can't stand people who say pillow
0: or <laughs> milk. Well, oh, welcome to the Midwest.
1: I know, annoying. Anyway, there's a guy on TikTok that he he'll pick a word and then he'll go to he a word he'll pick a word and then he'll go to Google Translate like ambulance. And he'll have it translated in French and do the speaker thing so it says it out loud. And it's beautiful. And Spanish. And it's beautiful. And all these other languages is beautiful. And then he'll go into German. Oh, yeah. and he's like screaming. I,
0: there, there something, it might be the same guy. There was one on YouTube that was like that. Yeah. So. It's funny. Anyway. I spend more time on the YouTube machine than the Tech Talk.
1: The tech Talk. Welcome so. to my TED Talk. <laughs> so. Hello, everyone.
0: This is already longer than a TED Talk. Well...
1: So. Thank. But, are you thankful for
0: it? I am thankful. thankful that we for do this, this podcast. Podcast. Yes. I hope y'all are. Also too. thankful that I was able to have some milk on my cereal this you morning. You know what? So. I ain't
1: thankful for
0: that. I ain't thankful for that. Uh, so yeah, we're talking about Thanksgiving stuff because Thanksgiving is this week, and oh, and uh, kind sneaked up. It's amazing how, how my face is really illuminated quickly. Thanksgiving. Go- <laughs> 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 oh, I tore my ACL trying to close the window. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Here we go. Th- Saving
0: the world. I'm
1: thankful for that. <laughs> thank
0: you. Are you glowing less? Or yes. glowing differently? I
1: don't like to glow. Now it's Larry's just, not white. He's just clear. now. My shirt glow now. My shirt keeps glowing anyway. <laughs> well,
0: it's not flickering no. like it was before. My this. peanut butter shirt. Nice. Anyway.
1: Yes, we were talking about... A no more
0: external glow. Just the internal glow of your sparkling personality. My
1: aura. Yes. <laughs> My aura would be like, I don't know. Peanut
0: butter. Peanut butter. <laughs> you have a peanut butter aura.
1: I'm down with that. Probably the only one I'd be down with. Yeah. That sounds like a cool band. We band were too. actually
0: podcasting, weren't we? We were. Peanut butter aura. We are peanut butter aura! That's, <laughs> the, that's, butter the, aura. that's <laughs> nice. 90s <laughs> cover band. We have a lot of 90s cover oh, bands.
1: Oh, golly. Anyway, yes, Thanksgiving is this week. Are you ready?
0: Are you ready? You'll be
1: in Georgia.
0: Yes, it's been on my mind. All week. So, um, yeah, we're actually home you
1: know, of Coca Cola, home of Ludacris, <laughs> TI. Oh, I didn't know that one.
0: Criss Cross,
1: Mikey Jump Jump,
0: um, TLC, also Atlanta.
1: TLC was Atlanta?
0: Jermaine Dupree was the producer for all of these. Don't
1: uh, don't go chasing waterfalls.
0: Hmm. Yes. So well, there's. Well, you're just in the hub, aren't you? Yeah.
1: I went to my. Sister. We're not going to Atlanta
0: though. We're my closer s- to Savannah. We'll be going to Fort Stewart. S-
1: my sister lived in Savannah for a time, and we went down. Was,
0: was her husband stationed at Fort Stewart?
1: I don't know. I feel like no. I feel like it was a different one. Mm. Um,
0: that would be interesting, to me, not to anybody else.
1: But. but it was. We went down there for Christmas one year, and. Two things bothered me. Everybody was super slow. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like Trig- pace, pace wise, yeah. not. Try going to Texas. It really, yeah. really slows down. I have been to Texas and. Um,
0: I love it. I, you know.
1: I went to Dallas. Didn't feel slow to me, but San Antonio did. Because
0: yeah. um, San Antonio is Texas. Dallas is Dallas.
1: Yeah, true. But everyone drove really slow, and you, if you want any kind of pop in a restaurant, they ask you what kind of coke you want. Yeah,
0: that's what I've heard that. I'll, I've. Been to the southeast a couple of times, uh, quick trips, but not a meaningful time. Uh, we lived in California and uh, out there it was similar. Everything was, was a Coke. Everything was very Midwest as far as the dialect, um, but, for but Coke. there was a lot of the Coke thing.
1: I feel like Pepsi must be a very Midwestern thing.
0: Um, well, the, you could order a Pepsi. You just say, you What kind of Coke do you want? Coke? Pepsi? Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> no
1: Pepsi, Coke. So
0: when you know, when I married Shelley. Who grew up in Indiana and Illinois and Missouri, uh, and, and Idaho? But you know, that was quite a bit before that. Um, she always said soda, mm. and we had you know, growing up in Michigan, it was always pop. Right. And now my entire family says soda, and nobody says pop, and it would have a big, pointless and silly debate about it because everybody knows it's pop. But anyway. Anyway.
1: Spent 10 minutes talking.
0: (laughs) This is why people tune in, right? Right, to hear us talk about foolish, inane, foolish games. Yeah, so Jewel
1: is from Alaska, not Georgia. Anyway, I can tell you where a lot of people are from, but (laughs) that's not the point of this podcast today.
0: No, no, it's not.
1: So, let's be realistic. Yes, (laughs) you could, I mean. I honestly cannot recall, and I'm sure that we have in the past, done every year at Thanksgiving some kind of sermon on thankfulness, right? I mean, you can't um, avoid it. It's always going to be...
0: I'm going to guess that more often than not at Real Life we have not done that. We probably do some, um, probably, it, I would say probably 50-50, okay. because I'm we don't not... generally, other than, other than Easter... Palm Sunday, Easter, and Advent. We generally don't um, let holidays disrupt our mm. preaching series. So whatever we're in, we're in. And but
1: we, we were kind of at a free, free space this week.
0: Yeah, we're it, not in
1: the middle of a series, is what I'm saying. Right.
0: We ended Ephesians, and we had four weeks. Did three weeks on Reforming the Church. This seemed like a logical fit, and then we begin Advent next week. And. Very excited about our guest preacher next week, who will also join us, uh, Lord willing, on the podcast next week. We should probably
1: reel in the uh, pop culture talk before he when he gets here (laughs) and actually talk about things that matter. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's well, and I'll be excited. He's from Word Partners of Ministry uh, in the Chicagoland area that uh, trains pastors internationally, Hmm. and uh, been working with them through their core training and Fellowship of the Word for four years, and really excited. Uh, that our church is moving to to begin a regular uh, sponsorship and partnership with them. Uh, so I'm happy to have Dave Dehan coming to uh, to preach. He'll actually kick off our Advent series, which is also unusual. I've never because
1: you're going to be a judge. I've
0: never been gone during that period before, Sad. and uh, I, I'm very uh, I'm very reluctant to bring in. Uh, guest preachers that I don't know personally and can personally vouch for, so I generally don't. Uh, there have been a couple of times that I will bring somebody in on the word of someone else that I know, but regret- um, <laughs> well, no, actually, the, oh. the ones that I uh, that, that we've had, I don't know that we've ever had anybody That's that I can any. think of that you know that I would not Be have okay. back. Right. Um, and there are some that I keep trying to get and can't seem to get. Uh, Young friend of mine, who's, I guess, young to me, but old to you. <laughs> uh, you know Andy Lingren, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So he's kind been, of old.
1: He was a year older, or two years older than me, maybe.
0: Yeah, he was uh, same class as Maggie. And, and yeah, those two years. because
1: so. Paul was a year older than me. Yeah.
0: So, I've been trying to get Andy for a while, but he's, you know. Busy. Yeah, he's doing his thing, uh, and. Praise God. I'm, I'm, uh, speaking of thankfulness, I am just thankful that God is active in the church. Mm. It's not; He's not leaving us here to do our own thing. And when we look around, it can get discouraging. This is this is me turning serious. Um, it can get very discouraging when you look around and you see the the state of the church mm. in America. Um, it's and the when state I of say, America. when I say, well, I think the two are tied. And, and when I say. Church in that context, I'm using it very loosely because I would be loath to call most of uh, of what we know as progressive Christianity or liberal the- theology. I would not consider that uh, the church. It's a, it, that's not Christianity. It's a different religion. And um, so, if I refer to those purveyors of false teaching as pastors. Um, it's kind of a misnomer, so you know, it's a very loose term in that sense, and, and it can be very discouraging when we see the decline of the church, and yet the the mass draw to right. these seeker-driven churches, to prosperity gospel churches. Um, I don't, I don't know that there's a draw necessarily to um, the progressive Christianity, liberal theology stuff movement i don't know can you call it a movement if it's not actually moving Um, because those are the churches that are most in decline however they seem to have a pervasive influence through the culture and uh, unfortunately that's causing great harm uh, to more to unbelievers um, and the the nominal christians who have been in church but are often not believers and and uh, and that's true everywhere. I mean, the the reality is you can, <laughs> to borrow the old adage used by many and popularized uh, in my lifetime by Keith Green, um, that you know going to church doesn't make you Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, or sitting in the car in the garage makes you a car. I think Lewis said that or someone along that line. Um, so we need to recognize that every time. Every, every time we get together and we're singing songs together as the body of Christ and we're uh, opening God's Word as the body of Christ, we have to recognize that within the family we also have guests who are mm-hmm. not part of the family. Uh, some consciously, some not consciously. Some who, who are there, but they're disconnected from the head, and, and right. we need to be mindful of that. So even as we're going through a podcast like this today, you know, when, Eventually, we do talk about the content, um, and now 15 minutes in, we're going to actually take a look at it. Well, when we're talking about the the kind of Thanksgiving that makes up true Christian worship, the the gratitude, the praise that comes uh, from Christians engaging with God, it it's. It's rooted outside of ourselves and outside of our blessings it's not just right. Right. you know uh, you know God did this for me look how good God is right. yes there's that but that's part of it the whole is recognizing and I think John Piper does a great job of bringing this out is recognizing that my desire isn't can't be ultimately it's not even when I think it is for the things that God does. Mm. The, the deepest desire of the human soul is for God himself. And so when we try to fill that, when we try to meet that desire with all these other things in life, whether it's a sense of control, uh, you know, a sense of belonging, all the all the things that that help us to climb up Maslow's pyramid, you know, the, all of these things, outside of him, we miss it. We end up you know, dis- disappointed, disillusioned, disfran- disenfranchised, uh, just generally dissed. And so, as we're um, as we're contemplating Thanksgiving, uh, I felt like it was important for us to take a look at what the Scripture says about actually um, praising God because of who He is. Mm-hmm. And you know, we talked a little bit about you know what happened that first Thanksgiving, as we call it. Um, Back in in Massachusetts in 1621, and I think people forget how well I know. I know we do, and it's being assaulted by the revisionist historians now. <clears throat> we we look at the Puritans as some, you know, frozen, you know, you know they they're just stodgy and. Right. Um, they were English, so you know they're going to have the stiff upper lip kind of thing. They were uh, focused in, in in many ways don't on off,
1: don't offend our UK.
0: On, well, I mean, it's it's, it's the true. nature of it, and, right. and and it's something that isn't necessarily to be uh, looked down upon. But different different people are going to behave different ways. But to act like the Puritans didn't enjoy life, didn't have right. fun, all they ever did was focus on thou shalt not. Well, these were Calvinist Christians who believed in God's grace in a huge way, but they also, because of God's grace, believed in God's holiness and the holiness of believers. So anyway, that I, I didn't mean to get off on that. And did it go wrong? Well, of course it did, because whenever humans are involved, things go wrong, and we end up getting off track, and, and there's all sorts of corruption that comes in. But as we're, as we're um, looking back on them... And what they're thankful for, it, it's not because things were going so great. It's because they survived, and, right, and right. as a, you know, there were 102 of them that started. There were 53 of them, I think, that lived to the celebration, and some of them were babies that had been born since they got there. Right. You know, uh, at least one was born on the passage over. Uh, <laughs> great name for a kid born on a ship at sea they called him oceanus and so anyway um, as you're seeing all that their praise for god according to uh, edward winslow's letter uh, was not because everything was prosperous all the time right. they did have a successful harvest after a year of suffering and misery and disease and and privation and you know lack of shelter and the the idea that every time the white man came, it went bad for the natives, and you know, the natives were savage, and all these kinds of things. Neither of those things are universally true. Right. Both of those things are partially true because human beings are sinful by nature. There is no, you know, good person, and Jesus was very clear about that. So we see the the uh, the ninety natives. And the fifty-three pilgrims—we think of the pilgrims, or we think of it as half and half, or whatever. You know, it wasn't that, and they were from different places—not right. you know, just different places geographically, but different places spiritually. Um, so the natives had their, you know, if we could call it tribal worship. Um, they were spiritual people, but they did not know Christ. They did not know the Christ, the God of the Bible, and and the pilgrims did, but they didn't hate them. They, right. you know, they loved them and worked together. And um, There was at least one Christian native there, and we won't go into the story of Squanto right now, but it's a great story. You should check it out. Um, anyway, the, as they gathered together, um, they, the focus, uh, I'm looking at, at uh, Winslow's words here, and he says, although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, Yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you, the recipients of the letter, uh, to, we wish you partakers of our plenty. They got together to be able to, to give praise to God, to recognize that God had got the, gotten them this far, mm-hmm. that everything that was good came from God, that everything that went wrong also was was given by God's hand and for God's purposes and in His sovereignty, worked out for our ultimate good and His ultimate glory. Even that which resulted in the death of their loved ones—that's hard to swallow. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it kind of leaves me with the question of what would our lives look like if our if our focus was gratitude, if mm-hmm. our hearts were sensitive enough toward God to. To live a life of incessant gratitude, where we are thankful without ceasing. You,
1: you. Oh, good, because I forgot which one it actually was. You also talked about Psalm ninety-five yesterday, Mm. and when I think of the Psalms, a lot of them, anyway. I, they both excite me and confuse me because it's. I, I like music and I like reading lyrics, and that's yeah. technically what they are, and yeah. poetry. And um, but a lot of the psalms are crying out to God, and a lot of them are you, when you read them, they can seem kind of negative, and and oh my goodness, Lord, why have this? Yeah, the, and oh, if I it's just a random
0: right. reading, that's kind of weird right. <clears> to deal with.
1: But then at the same time, you get to Psalm like ninety five, and it's about you know. Thanksgiving, technically, yep. and and so, to me, between that and then you read the uh, the Edward Winslow's letter, and thinking about that quote unquote first Thanksgiving, I think a lot of it today, it's we we live in this society where it's just want 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 want, and if we don't, and it, we expect instant gratification with everything right. because we're so used to it, and <clears throat> I'm not saying that like we need to go back to those places, but that they that really strips it down, both yeah. of these things.
0: There's to, a certain appreciation right. that comes with suffering. And, right. And certainly we don't want to go back to, right. to having uh, less health and less prosperity and, and not having homes to, to shelter in. But when you don't have those things, you begin to appreciate them differently. Right. When you, when you grow up, you know, without a a healthy family, then it gives you a new appreciation for wanting to have a healthy family. And when you discover that, it can be hard to process, but wow, what a great thing to be able to, to have. And and so when, when you look at, you know, the pictures or videos of the, you know, the little kids in um, Ethiopia or Mm -hmm. Uganda or wherever, and, and in a, a village where they don't have much, and you know they're struggling to get clean water, and yet these little kids are out there kicking around a, right, you laughing, know, something that right. they're using for a soccer ball right, that, right. that they found, right. and they're the happiest kids. You, you know, you see right. kids in the U.S. and they've got you know iPhones and right. all these Tablets things, and they're and depressed the, right. and they're struggling. and, and um, Wealth does not in any way equate to happiness, but gratitude does you know there is a there's such a correlation between your level of thankfulness and your level of happiness that if we could all step back and appreciate the fact that god owes us nothing right and we owe him everything and the fact that we are alive today is 100 percent his mercy and his grace that every breath i take is an act of grace from god and
1: every move you make
0: he's watching me. And, and it's actually a good thing and not creepy like right, the police, like but you know, if Sting's um, watching me, then we may have some issues to deal yeah.
1: with. Um, it's, and it's, and it's not just, you know, I think a lot of people, when they think about thankfulness, it's for the things that they have uh, yes. and a lot of material things. I saw a commercial the other day. I think it might've been on Hallmark, but I don't remember what it is for exactly. It was about a boy who got adopted, and, you know, he he was a teenager, but it was his first time being adopted. I guess he was in the foster care system for a long time. And it was his first time having his own room mm. or his first time, you know, they were having a family dinner and he wasn't used to that. And it just, things like that just make you think, like, it almost takes, you never know what somebody else is going through until you go through it yourself. Right. No, and that's, that's not true. always going to be possible. Like, you know, obviously I'm not going to get adopted by somebody, you know, but you, yeah. But it, we can
0: let our hearts right. go there. We can, you
1: and know, that kind of gratitude for something that is so easy for other people to take for granted, right. is really what kind of clicked for me with this, hmm. and uh, yeah.
0: I think that's kind of what happened with Israel. As we look at Psalm ninety-five, and it, it, again, looking at the Psalms for most of my life, I just saw it like most people do as it, this random collection of right. of songs and prayers and. Um, you know, I understood this is Israel's hymn, hymn book and um, all those kinds of things. But most of us, when we think of the Psalms, who do we think of? David. David. We, you know, we, you know, and okay, there are some that are not from David, but you know, we think of David. Well, there are a lot that are not from David. There are actually a, a number of authors, and they're in a number of different situations, and it's spread over literally generations. Mm. You know, as, as you're going from David to the time of the compilation of the Book of Psalms which I think helps us understand it. The book of Psalms was compiled. It was put together as a book in the order that it's put together and organized as it is in the post-exilic period. So after Israel's, you know, after David's reign and Solomon's reign and all the bad kings and a couple of good kings that pop up in there and the divided kingdom and Israel goes into exile as, as Assyria takes over and then uh Judah hangs on and God uh, grants them uh, more time and they continue to uh, go the same way Israel did. And, and so they are ungrateful to God and they become like everybody else. And even to, even to the point of Judah's kings introducing idol worship into the temple of God. And uh, we looked at that a little bit um, a couple weeks back with Second Kings 22 and, and it had gotten so bad that um, they had to go through a whole rebuilding project not rebuilding but a renovation project mm-hmm. to, to redo the um, the temple and in the process they find the book of the law and they read it and cut to the heart and uh, they have a revival that it sparked there during Josiah's time but that didn't last right. and, and they do the same things they turn their back on God the the lack of thankfulness took them in a direction um, separate from God the, and so they began to live just like the pagan people, and God turned his back on them just like he did back in the wilderness, just like he did um, with uh, with the pagan nations. And they go into exile in Babylon, and God had told them, this is going to happen for 70 years, then I'm going to bring you back. He does that because God keeps his promises. He does what he says he's going to do. They come back to Jerusalem. They rebuild the temple, or they rebuild the walls, or the temple, and they're going through this whole... Um, uh, restoration process and they don't come back to the the full nation status as they did previously the consequences remain but through this whole journey uh, of being separated from God this exile they were in the darkest of places wondering you know has God turned his back on us forever is there any hope you know have, have we sinned too much have we gone too far has God just utterly rejected us and the book of Psalms is divided up into five books, five sections. The first is kind of a um, almost a composite of the rest, almost like a, a somebody was talking about the first portion of James being like a table of contents for the rest of the book. Mm. And book one of the Psalms is a little bit like that. We see this story arc played out in the life of of David as uh, he's God's chosen, he's God's king, and he uh, he struggles and falls and they face opposition and and so there's this picture of the valley of the shadow of death in Psalm 23 that's kind of, uh, it's kind of carried through the whole book of Psalms. So then in the, in the next four books, we see that same kind of an arc happen with the nation. So in book three, they're in the darkest of places. They're, they're rejected, they're in exile, and, and it's reflected in the heaviness of right, those right. Psalms. Now in book four, and Psalm 95 is toward the end of book four, they're they're not restored yet, but they're beginning to see, they've heard the promise of God. They're beginning to see and recognize the promise of restoration. Their hearts are being turned. And in Psalm 95, this song of thanks and praise, if we look at it in that context and we see it as this is, this, these are people in exile. These are people who are hurting. And, and this may be, uh, you know, we don't know when Psalm 95 was written. It may have been written after at the compilation. Right. But it's placed here as a reflection of this place in their lives. So, th- so this is an aspirational um, sort of thanksgiving uh, as far as the things that are done. Having looked back, and we have several psalms uh, on both before and after this, that recount the deeds of God for His people Israel, which is the testimony, it's the witness of His character, of His His great faithfulness, His steadfast loving kindness, His love endures forever, and and that credo is beginning to take root in them. So now in Psalm 95, and I'll, I'll just as we get here toward the end, I'll just read the the text of it, and hopefully we'll be able to to see how this plays out. Um, The psalmist writes, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. So there's a vibrance. There's an exuberance. They're they're excited about it. But there's also a choice. Mm -hmm. We have to choose to come and sing. We have to choose to let our praises ring out and extol him. There's a consciousness about it because he is the rock of our salvation or other renderings. Called, he is our rock and our salvation. But, but he who, who is, is our strong place, our defender, and our rescuer, uh, in himself is worthy of our praise. And then it goes on in this kind of middle section of the psalm to give us the basis for this joyful thanksgiving. It says, For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. So we see this creator God and and the, the vastness and majesty and power I'm reminded of Romans one, where uh, where Paul draws our attention to the fact that you can see these invisible qualities of God in creation. Mm-hmm. No one has an excuse. Every single person, and this is why we see tribal religions, the ancient mythologies, that all have pieces and reflections, uh, perhaps refracted uh, right. pieces of it. But but you can see these distorted images of the living God, uh, and only the Bible gives us that that full revelation. But there are hints. Uh, in, in all of the heroic tales, in all of the virtue tales, uh, in in all the different societies, you see elements of God because He created all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing that that Job ran into when you know he's saying, "Well, if God just w- would show up, you know, then you know I would stand before Him right. blameless and right. and He would exonerate me." And God showed up, and He didn't accuse Job of sin. In fact, we're told that that. Job didn't sin in, in turning against God or being ungrateful. But God did rebuke him just by his presence, by saying, Where were you? I'm I'm God. I created all these things. I hold this in my hand. You're just a dude. <laughs> right. Right? And so um, that brings Job to his knees. And then he, he continues. So we see this creative aspect that God is supreme and sovereign, and that he is the great God, the king over, over all gods. He's he holds the depths of the earth, the mountain peaks, and the seas. And it says in verses six and following, "Come, let us bow down and worship." So there, there's an immediate awe when we recognize God. There's the the holy terror. I think Francis Chan brings that out pretty well in in, in uh, his basics video, talking about the fact that you know I was learned about having to you know fearing God. We don't like that term; it doesn't sound nice. And so we learn, oh, it's a holy respect, it's a holy reverence. And he said, but when I look at the scriptures, that's not what I see. What I see is terror. Right. Because this is God.
1: Right.
0: And and anyway, so there is that, but then there is also the choice to respond to that. Right. And that's when when we see the fear of the Lord, it is the, the right response to understanding who God is. So there is the terror aspect of it. And then there is the, the voluntary reverence that goes along with that. And we choose. To express that in worship, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel. Notice the the humility in this humble posture of kneeling. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. So as Israel is seeing this, the psalmist is is calling them to remember that he he is the great God. All the nations see that or should see that. And when Israel is doing what Israel is supposed to do, they all do see that. The, The nations see that. But Israel needs to remember that we have a special relationship with him. He's called us to be his. As Christ followers, we're we're able to recognize that. But I think we maybe don't focus on it enough, that God has called us to a special relationship with himself. It's not just acknowledgment that God is. It's not just the acknowledgment that God is great. It's recognizing that he is all of these things, that he is vast, he is other, he is beyond, he is infinitely holy. And yet he chooses to make us his so that we can have this, this sheep-shepherd relationship with him. Uh, there's a tenderness to it. And then the warning that comes at the end, uh, the, the rest of the book, the rest of the chapter here is really, um, it, it's a statement of what happened mm-hmm. in Exodus 17. But it's also a warning to us today that if our hearts are not sensitive to the Lord, if, if our hearts are sensitive to God, then we will be filled with, with joyful uh, thankfulness, gratitude, appreciation. If we don't have that, if we instead think, well, why hasn't God blessed me like he's blessed others? And we begin to have resentful uh, attitude or we begin to feel entitled, like God, des- I deserve better. You know, right. why, why me, Lord? Why has why this bad stuff happened to me? Rather than why do I deserve any of your love at all? Because I certainly don't. So he says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me. Though they had seen what I did, for 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, there are people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And uh, what had happened basically in a nutshell is, you know, they're like, Five minutes out of Egypt, right? Everything has has really uh, gone amazingly. God shows up; they cried out for deliverance from their bondage. God comes, delivers them. We know the story of the ten plagues and Moses. You know, brings them out. It, they they experienced this. this. This isn't the next generation. These are the right. folks who actually just left Egypt. They haven't even gotten across to Sinai yet. They're they're getting there, and they. <laughs> They watch him part the Red Sea and swallow up the Egyptian army. They, you know, they saw the plagues. They saw Pharaoh uh, send him out. They saw the Egyptians hand over their goods. I mean, right. that that gets overlooked in the story a lot of the time. But the Egyptians are like, here, have my stuff, you know. And so they're they're leaving with plunder, having no reason to have it other than God said so. Right. They they watched as as God manifested himself in a pillar of cloud in the daytime and a pillar of fire at night. They actually saw all this stuff. But then they get to the hardship, and it is a legitimate hardship. You're in the wilderness, you don't have water, they're, they're struggling. That That's legitimate. But instead of focusing on all that God has done, hmm. their focus is on what God has not done. Where, where are the gaps? Why didn't God take care of us better? And they grumbled against God. and And that is a clearly condemned sinful attitude. And that puts us at odds, at enmity with God. What would happen in our lives? What would have happened in in Israel's life? And what would happen in mine and yours if instead of focusing on all of the things that are wrong, you know, that's, oh, it's muddy today, or, you know, this, my car broke down, I've got a, you know, leaky roof, or I ripped my pants, or my, you know, my family's falling apart, or, you know, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing it can really wreck our day right, right. you know somebody didn't put our taco together right in the drive through which That's is a big an one. irritating That's thing a big one. so but, you know and rather than being grateful that we live in a place where we can actually go to a drive through and yeah. get right. excessive amounts of food not right. not enough to survive but to enjoy the fact that we have taste buds to enjoy the food and food that actually tastes good for us to enjoy Rather than appreciating and praising God for all of these things, we tend to be ungrateful, hmm. to feel like God owes us something. He owes us nothing. Yeah. So to have yeah. real thanksgiving, true thanksgiving is rooted in the person of God more than in the gifts of God
1: and these are I mean these are choices that's absolutely and that gratitude is a choice. that doesn't mean it's easy, and I think especially at the holidays, you know people there's supposed to be this time of, of joy and happiness and peace, but for a lot of people, they're not. And, right. you know, whether you're missing a loved one or you're lonely or whatever, it's easy to feel right. down and like, why me? And things aren't the way that they I wanted them to be. Right. And It's, it's our a, natural human right. tendency. And That's, so it's hard to make that choice at times. Right. But... I, I, I don't know. I don't know what my. I mean, you're the pastor. I don't know what my personal advice would be to make that choice. I mean, obviously, just do it. But yeah, there, it's it's
0: Nike therapy, right? Just do it. It's. I mean, I get, just because something is, hard, is hard doesn't make but, it complicated. Right. I think that's one of the things we fall into is we, you know, but how? How do we do it? Right. You, you just do it. Right. You just choose to be thankful for what you have rather than lament what you do not. And like you said, that's not easy, but there's a huge difference between easy and simple. It's very simple, right? It's very difficult.
1: Yeah a lot of these um, therapy blogs that I write for for, you know, they're trying to help people with depression or anxiety, they, uh one of the things that's often suggested is to keep a gratitude journal yeah. and to just keep a little notebook around with you wherever you go. And then if you just think of either you can do it, you know, in the morning when you wake up, write down 10 things you're grateful for. Before you go to bed, write down 10 things that happened that day that you're grateful for. Or just when you think of something, if you're at a coffee shop, just write it down. And then not only in the moment does that make you stop and think of everything you have, but the, I, what I think the interesting thing is you can look back and when you, especially when you're feeling like, woe is me, I, you know, why is God not answering me? Why do I not have it? You can look back for pages and pages of all these things in your life, big right. or small, that you actually do have that that you should be grateful for. And and doing that yeah. is a choice. And it
0: helps make us more self-aware, right. too. Right. Sometimes we don't think that we complain much until we write down. If we're writing down all of these things right. and we see, wait a minute, I, it's supposed to be gratitude, and I'm writing down complaints. Right, you know, then, right. Then right. we start to recognize maybe I have a little bit more of a negative attitude than I right. have to have. Right, And it's not it's not something external to us. It's mm-hmm. an inside job. Gratitude is is a choice, and it comes from within. And you know, I, I'm reminded of the very you know, you sent me these spiritual TikToks. TikToks. Uh, a little while back, a very popular uh, uh, meme. Uh, I remember the video of the. Little kid with the avocado. You know, it's,
1: it's an avocado.
0: It's an avocado.
1: Thanks.
0: You know, and there's it, it, It's funny, but it's such a such a sincerity that yeah. this kid has, and you know, we we laugh at it almost mockingly, but but really, it should be somewhat convicting to us because mm-hmm. there are there are joys that we will never know while we're waiting for things to bring us joy. But if we can find the the reality of joy in Christ, and, and Christ becomes more precious to us than the things of this life, then there is a joy that can't be taken away. And it changes everything, it changes our attitude, changes our outlook. And when we change our attitude, our outlook, it changes our behaviors, then our feelings change. Everything begins to change. We do things differently, right. then our our light shines in a way that brings glory and honor to our Father in heaven. And so, you know, I, I'm reminded again of of uh, Piper's um, it's his main thing that he says with Christian hedonism that God is most glorified in me when I'm most satisfied in Him. Mm-hmm. That that is a picture of thankfulness when I am finding my satisfaction, my deepest, highest. Desire met in Him, not in the things that He gives or doesn't give, but in in God, in Christ Himself. That's when God receives the most glory, and that's when I'm the most happy.
1: We will so. end there because we've gone way over. Yeah. In all fairness, we talked for ten minutes about nothing. Um, it's like a science show about nothing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we will stop there. Our Advent series, as we mentioned earlier, starts next week. So stick around for that. If you're in the area, in the Three Oaks area, join us. And join us for on the 5th of December at Historic St. John's, uh, still in Three Oaks, um, for a community carol sing. Everybody's invited. Come sing some Christmas carols.
0: Pretty pumped about it.
1: Good times. Um, For now, if you have any questions or comments, as usual, you can send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Leave us a comment on Facebook or YouTube or a voicemail on Anchor or at 269-756-RL. C-C.
0: We are interested in your feedback. If there are,
1: we are interested in your feedback. If there
0: are uh, things that we can help you with, or things that you can help us with, that we oh, there's to a lot that so. you can
1: help us with. Uh, yeah, we we were just talking before the podcast. You know, and New Year's coming up, and if there's any time to uh, reflect on things and make changes, that seems like an appropriate one. So, as we move forward, we obviously want to hear any feedback or any suggestions or things that you'd like to hear and see in the future from us. Less pop culture references? More? Mm-hmm. Um, fewer, not less. In More
0: WKRP and Cincinnati references? Yes. Yes. The world is better, then.
1: Yes, it was in in the 90s. But uh, <laughs> we will stop there for today. Do you have anything else?
0: So many things.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Now
0: I'm thinking of WKRP in Cincinnati. I'm
1: thinking of the 90s. I'm thinking of
0: turkeys <laughs> dropping from helicopters. But... <laughs> All right.
1: Happy Thanksgiving. Go watch uh, Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Have some popcorn and toast. And be a good time. Peace. We'll see you next week with our special guest.
0: Don't miss it. Don't miss it.